We've all been there, justifying our creative job to mum and dad, explaining what our job is to granddad, brushing off jokes about freelancing from our mate who works in finance. But times are changing and the value of creativity is being recognised. The creative industries are the fastest growing part of the UK economy and the least likely jobs to be taken over by robots. I'm Kayleigh McLeod and this is Get A Proper Job, where I'll be talking to researchers and creatives about the issues that matter. We live in such a world of opportunity. There's never been a better time to cash in on your passion. In this episode of Get A Proper Job, we're talking digital content creation with influencers Mark Tregilgis and Jess Davies. Hello and welcome. Before we get chatting to Jess and Mark, we're going to hear the research from Dr. Francesca Sobandi of the Cardiff School of Journalism. Francesca is a lecturer in digital media studies and she'll be talking about creative labour rights for digital content makers. My work primarily focuses on issues to do with identity, inequality, media and the marketplace. So there's lots of different ways that influencer culture or the role of an influencer will be defined. For me, it's about the work, the words, the clout and social capital of people who have managed to get a degree of fame and have managed to also profit in various ways through their digital presence. In particular, I'm thinking about social media. So we've got YouTube vloggers, people on Instagram, people on Twitter. For me, social influencer culture is about what people are doing in digital spaces, which results in some degree of fame for them but in a way that differs to the conventional celebrity format that we're familiar with. So it's it's different to the Hollywood industry. In theory, anybody can become an influencer, but we know that in reality, actually very few people can actually make a living from that process. Certainly something that's really interesting for me to observe is how when we think about the, the typical high profile influencer, they have often hundreds of thousands, if not millions of followers or subscribers, perhaps on YouTube, perhaps on Twitter, But what we see less of a discussion about is this role of the micro-influencer or sometimes even the nano-influencer. So this is people online with a much smaller presence, sometimes typically maybe even a couple of thousand, but which because of their smaller follower numbers enables them to sometimes have a stronger, more effective degree of engagement with the people who actually follow what, what they're doing. So there are really interesting examples of brands actually saying, we don't want someone with the biggest following or we don't want a a high profile celebrity. We want somebody with a much smaller digital presence as has often been understood, but we want them because they can provide us with this sort of hyper local um, form of engagement that they can't actually get by turning to the traditional high profile individuals that brands have often worked with in the past. Some people will say that media has become democratised and that the rise of what might be referred to as do-it-yourself or do-it-together digital media means that people are, are able to avoid gatekeepers and you know, broadcast themselves to an audience in a way that's very empowering, so to speak. But I think the reality is that even though the playing field or certain aspects of the playing field have been levelled in some ways, very few people, as I said, can really make enough money from this sort of work that they're going to be able to do this full time. And actually, when you look at of those people who are able to do that, 
there are issues to do with inequality so whether that's issues to do with class background issues to do with age issues related to the financial stability that somebody's in to be able to pursue this full-time so again there are a lot of contradictions really to think through or a lot of different potential benefits and challenges involved in somebody pursuing this type of work and the last thing I would want to do is imply that anybody is capable of doing this full-time certainly there are examples of, of people who can but the reality is to be an influencer and to be a very profitable one involves quite often having access to different sources of income, sources of support and and being approaching your work from a particular place that very few people are capable of doing. Now we're talking to Jess and Mark about Francesca's research and I'm hoping they'll give us an insight into the creative work that they do. You may know Jess from Jabber with Jess, her curated corner of the internet, a safe space for sharing thoughts, opinions and views. Jess is a Welsh lifestyle blogger and vlogger who's worked with the likes of BBC Wales, S4C and Orchard. She has close to 150,000 followers on Instagram and more than that again on Twitter, as well as an active Facebook page, website and YouTube channel. Mark, or Treggs as I hope I'll be able to call him, is a personal trainer and founder of 30 Plus Men's Fitness. His boot camps are located all over the UK, but he also has an online community of members around the world. He's built his brand using social media, podcasts and video content. Welcome both. Hello, thanks for having us. Thank you. Jess, can you tell us a little bit about what you do just to get started? Of course. So I do mostly blogging, which is the kind of writing form, and then vlogs as well. And Instagram is probably the one that I post my content a lot more on. And then Twitter is where I kind of rant about my personal feelings. <laughs> and how did you get to where you are today? What's your kind of career been like? Uh, I started modelling when I was 18. So I was doing all the lad mags. And from that, I kind of just caught wind of the Twitter and Instagram as it was like, exploding, really. And then my following grew really fast. And I've kind of kept it at a steady pace ever since. And so your main job now is in content creation? Yes. Yes, it is. How do you find that? It's good. It's fun. It's something that when I was doing the modelling, I was kind of posting stuff, I feel, for the sake of it, because I felt like I had to be someone online. And it's only in the last year when I set up my own website and blog, and I kind of decided that I wanted to create content that represented me and kind of put myself over more as the personality rather than just the Instagram image, which is why I started the blog. So finding your voice, really. Yeah, absolutely. Fab. Mark, how would you describe your job? What do you do? Well, I'm a one-to-one fitness coach, but that only occupies kind of half of my time now, probably even a little bit less than half. The rest of the time is spent online. Um, I took my business online back in 2012. So my day-to-day entails coaching in person, but also I, I'm committed to doing a regular Facebook Live every day. I do that for about an hour to my fans on my Facebook page. I also have to send out a daily email. And then on the weekends, I actually do live workouts for my paying members. So the days are spent, you know, obviously preparing for my Facebook Lives content for my emails and generally just serving uh, my online clients which are generally based in Facebook groups. Okay and I've got an interesting question here for you. Would you class yourself as a creative because you're making creative content? Yes I would absolutely yeah. I've been been writing blogs for years and um, it's funny because when you start off doing that type of thing I almost felt like I was the only one doing it. I remember I just went onto Facebook and it exploded and now all of a sudden everyone's doing it. And would you call yourself an influencer? I don't know. Am I an influencer? Um, I'd like to think I've, I've had an influence over people in terms of helping them with their health and fitness. Maybe if you want to call me that, you can. But I don't particularly label myself as one. 
What mm. about you, Jess? What do you think around the word influencer and the connotations of that? I think it definitely can mean a lot of things. I think when people think of an influencer, they'll think of people who get paid to post stuff online, whereas I use my platform to kind of share my content and experience, and then through that I get jobs, so it's kind of a little bit different. But I, when, yeah, I think when it comes to the term influencer, I'd say that I probably use my platform to try and influence people. Uh, so in that way it is, but I think it means something different to everyone, really. And you use it to do good. Yes, yes. I hope so. <laughs> in her segment about research um, around digital content creation, Francesca talks about digital media allowing creators to avoid the gatekeepers that maybe in the past would have stopped your content from getting out there um, because you can you can post directly. Um, and she said that that's empowering. Do you feel empowered by that ability to create content and get it out into the world? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's something that you own it and it's a space where you can put whatever you want, but it also comes with a lot of responsibility, especially when you have a lot of followers. You can post something off the cuff and if you're feeling quite emotional and then that can come back to bite you, you know, because it, once it's online, it's there forever. So when I'm posting something which I know is quite a sensitive topic, I go over it many times to kind of see what reaction it could get and what people could take from it. So it's also a huge responsibility as well as being an empowering kind of space to be in. For sure. And what about you, Mark? Yeah, I mean, um, I, li- I like putting out my own content and owning it, but I've been quite been quite open in the past like um i've been in the industry a long time now and i've been through a lot of changes myself and some of my beliefs have actually changed and so you know what i wrote about seven years ago i might not necessarily believe in now and i actually came out about two or three years ago when there was a different sort of um we were going down a different road in the fitness industry with more of an awareness on things like calories in and calories out and i actually said look you know i think i was misguided in the past i only knew what i knew then and I was only doing it to the best of my ability. I've, I've only ever wanted to do uh, right by my clients with what I know. And this is what I knew then. And this is my updated message. And, you know, I got quite a lot of stick for that. But I was like, look, I'm just, I'm just being honest here. And I actually did a podcast in which I labeled I was wrong. And I talk about certain things which I, you know, I used to, I, I would be evangelical that this is the only way. And now, actually, there's a bit of an updated uh, message. I was just about to ask you about owning your content. And I yeah. meant in terms of owning it. Um, financially and be, oh, having right. the rights to it but what you've just said there around actually owning what you've said in the yep. past and kind of standing by it or or not that's a really interesting area what was the the feedback that people people a lot it was generally positive a lot of people were just like yeah you know we admire your honesty and do you feel like that led to any more clients anything different in your business it's hard to say I mean we're always growing sort of year on year so the business continues to grow um so whether that led to any more clients would, would be hard to tell. And what about you in terms of the business benefits? I think it's really important when you're creating content online to kind of own it because it will come back to bite you if you said something and you're not being authentic. So I think the business benefits is, you know, when you're creating content online, people will pay you to post. And if you're being authentic and you've got an organic following, that will really benefit you as well and more brands will want to work with you. So again, I think it's all about honesty and just trying to be as authentic as possible online. And have you had experience of working with brands? Yes. So I started out working with brands when I was really new. I was about 19. I think when you've got an influence online, you've got followers, you 
have to be aware of what you're posting. So you more carefully consider the the brands that you would want to work with? Yeah, absolutely. And do you have any on your hit list? You don't have to tell us who they are. (laughs) There's a few, there's a few. But for me, it's more about uh, creating content. And, you know, I want to be able to do that more than just posting an Instagram post saying, buy this, you know, because a lot of times I think things are changing and things are moving and people can kind of see through that now that people are just being paid to post something. I certainly don't buy stuff just because I've seen someone posting it online. So I think if you're being organic and you're working with a brand as a collaboration more than just a one-off post, that definitely stands out more for me anyway. Is that your experience, Mark, in terms of collaboration over you know, just posting what you're asked to post? Yeah, I mean, I've been in collabs with people in the past with like supplement companies, which I really believed in at the time. And I was like an affiliate for them and I used to push it quite heavily. Um, But now I kind of, I stand sort of back from a lot of that. And what I, what really kind of gets me irate is is just what Jess said there is like, with these influencers on Instagram now, they'll literally just sell their soul for a few quid. You know, the, the influencers that are selling it, they've not even tried it. They've not even tried these products. There was products I was using back in the day. Well, actually, I did believe in it at the time, so I would endorse them. But these days, I kind of moved away from that a lot more now. Maybe that's just a generational thing because I'm, I'm in my 40s. I don't know. Who knows? And you endorse a different approach, perhaps. Yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about social media because we have <coughs> touched on it. What are your platforms of choice? My platform of choice is, it's kind of separated between Instagram and Twitter. For me, I feel like, because I was a model and that's where I started off, Instagram was very visual, so I'll always post on there. When I'm out and about, I've just been on holiday to Thailand. I'm like creating content for my Instagram and always thinking about that. But on a personal level, uh, Twitter is the one for me because I can just, um, I want to say rant on there, but I don't just rant on there, but I just feel like it, for me, what's important is engaging in conversation, which is why I started the blog. So Twitter just opened a whole new world for me. So that's the one that I use on a personal level whereas for work and business it's definitely Instagram for me okay and the positives and the negatives of those channels yeah I think on Twitter there's can be a lot of negativity around it's just people's opinions and once you have hundreds of thousands of people giving their opinion on things you can you know obviously people are going to clash and then Instagram there's people have been using my images which I post online and claiming my identity sometimes using a different name on all different platforms uh, mostly to get money out of people so asking people to send them money um, mostly guys on chat rooms or they use Facebook pages Instagram Twitter it's happened all over so I think when it's definitely something I've become more aware of now about when I'm posting content online that it's so easy for that to be taken and for that to be used elsewhere and it's something that I've really struggled with kind of keeping control of because it's something that you can't really track and it's something that how do you stop people taking stuff I think once you post something online it's really difficult to know where that's going and who's using it and and who's putting it out there so it's difficult I think with the ownership to look at who actually owns that content when you post it somewhere I think that's something that a lot of people overlook especially something you know I've overlooked it I'll post an Instagram picture and then look at the likes and that's all you think about when actually that could be used elsewhere and it's really difficult to track something that I think there's definitely should be more um, awareness about and also there should be a platform or someone out there that helps creators because a lot of time like I said we are posting stuff for free and we're doing it because it's our passion because we love it but where we're protected and who owns the copyright of that I'm not really sure. I mean bouncing back from that sort of negativity on social media how do you go about doing that? It's really difficult for me because sometimes I'll get a back and forth because when people are attacking you personally and 
don't really know you it's really hard people say just ignore it but I think when it's your own brand and it's you as a person it's difficult to just step back and not comment on it um so I try and do that sometimes but other times it's just trying to log off and kind of realize that Instagram is not the real world and and life goes on you know so I think you can definitely get caught up in worrying too much about you know social media and what people think online and what about you, Tregs? For me, it's been been Facebook. When I went on to Facebook with, with business pages um, back in 2010, um, I had a friend who was like in, in into like the digital marketing and the blogging and the etc. And he was like, this is what you need to do, Tregs. You need to create a page. You need to create content. And I was like, content? YouTube? What, 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 what do you mean? He's like, look, I'll handle all that. Let's just get content out there. And I grew my facebook page fast like rapidly and um i actually ended up coaching other fitness professionals for about two or three years on how to go online and make money back in the day you could put a status update and all your fans would see it but now it's changed facebook wants you to pay to play so even if i've got like twenty-five thousand fans on facebook and i go live i'm only get 30 join in the reach might be a thousand to five thousand over time when you go back and look at the stats but, but years ago, it was so easy. You could just put up a post, pop up a link, and people would buy. And um, I was like, wow, this is this is really cool. This is this is really cool. And for years, it was just growing and growing and growing. And then all of a sudden, it changed. And there's a lot more competition out there now. But I'm really grateful that I went online when I did in 2012 and built my page while I did because I, I feel I've got that authority. And, and literally going online, it changed my life because I was becoming a dad uh, with my first son who was being born as I went online and I literally just opened up a whole new world for me you know it, it doubled my income it allowed me to travel and go to different courses all over the world and it's gone to help you know provide my family with a lovely life so I think there's good and bad points to social media but I can't hate on Facebook because I've used it as a tool to give me a great life and to help a lot of people and I always say this if I'm on Facebook I'm not looking at Trace's holiday photos from 1996 mm-hmm. in Magaluf <laughs> I'm in there serving my clients in their groups I'm serving I'm putting content so I use it very strategically of course I've got my own personal profile post pictures of my kids on and things like that but I've used it to to build a business and Facebook's been very good to me. It's really interesting what Jess was saying as well. You're always going to get negative stuff, especially if you, you, you run an ads campaign. And, you know, I've had people say, will you get your like big head out of my feed? I'm fed up of your like moon face with oh. your beard popping up and all that. And I just delete. It used to bother me. I think I've mellowed with age. And quite often, like I do a lot of self-development work and things like that and realize if people are attacking you, they probably got a lot of um, issues going on themselves. That's why they do it. I mean, like, who who takes time out online to go and attack people? I mean, it's pretty sad, really, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was really interesting what you're talking about there on the differences in your Facebook uh, presence. Yep. So you have the business brand and then yep. you have a separate personal profile. Yeah. In terms of the, the boundaries, you know, as an yep. influencer, where do you draw the line on what you share on social media? That's a really great question. One of the, the one of the best pieces of advice I had was from an original mentor when I went online, when I when I was like, just looking back to like 2011, 2012, I was studying these bloggers in the States. And one guy who was online and doing really well, he said, people buy from people. And that's that stuck with me. And I always pass this on to my coaches. People buy from people. And he always used to, like, when he would post pictures on his Facebook page, he'd have his dog in the background and things like that. It's like people want to know who they're buying from. So quite often, like, my office is set at, ho- at home in my kids' room. And I'll be doing a live. And my two boys at five and seven will come running in. They'll jump on my lap. And they'll start, like, talking about that. And I just let it run because they're seeing that's my real life. Mm. That's how it is. I'm a dad. It's chaotic. 
actually becoming a dad helped grow my, grow my business even more because I was able to write emails and actually say, you know what, guys, I've, I didn't know what tiredness was for years and now I've got kids. Mm -hmm. I know what it's like. And I used to give guys like you a hard time at my boot camps for turning up saying you're tired. <laughs> now I've not slept in years. And, and the message resonated and the business developed again because it was almost like they got to know me even more. So for me, there's no boundaries. I've spoken about all kinds of stuff. I had depression in the past. I lost my best friend to suicide. You know, I've had two boys which were in and out of hospital. We had three years of like hospital and no sleep and all this kind of thing. I've been very open. And I, that, that's just me. I wear my heart on my sleeve. But I think my openness has, has helped me develop a following. But I haven't done it for those reasons. That's just who I am. You're just being yourself. Yeah. yeah. And that authenticity shines through sure. like you were talking about, Jess. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, it's it's been quite difficult because my brand is myself. So my brand is exactly who I am. And I kind of have struggled with what I share and what I'm not going to share and oversharing and then not wanting to share it all. And so I think it's only been in the last kind of year or so that I've tried to find a line of being comfortable in sharing. And again, because of where I started as doing the modeling and stuff, you very much want to portray something that probably isn't necessarily true. You know, 90% of the time I'm not on a photo shoot or I'm not, haven't got makeup on and not traveling the world on a photo shoot and stuff. So that's why in the last year, like I said, I've tried to post more authentic content and be like, actually, this is me, my day to day and talk about things that resonate with people and talk about, you know, mental health and, and body image and things that young girls worry about and your friends and your family. So, yeah, it's definitely been something for me to kind of find a balance of what I share and what I don't share, because I think also you can feel a bit like you have to share stuff and like you're not probably ready to put that online again because when you've got so many followers people are going to comment on it so you have to you know be comfortable in knowing what you're sharing is out there for everyone to see so I'll share um I've written blogs about my experience with my modeling which wasn't always great and then I'd have like my mum be like oh I really didn't know that happened you know and I'm always aware that what I'm putting out there is what people might not know and what people can then come back at you as well with so yeah I think it is definitely difficult but when you're sharing stuff online to kind of realize if there is a line and, and what you're comfortable with discussing with people in, in the real world I guess because social media isn't the real world and it has effects then of what yeah. people might come is it something you would say to someone if you bumped into them in the street yeah absolutely and and I'm always very aware of you know if I meet someone or I have a job or I go for a job somewhere are they going to find that content and then judge you for it because that is what happens so I think as long as you're being um this word keeps coming up all the time you know authentic but you know if you're happy again and comfortable with what you're putting out there and you'll kind of like I said say it with your chest and and explain it to someone then I think there's no there shouldn't be a boundary but if it's something that you are not ready to discuss with people in real life I would say not put it on social media Does that's that a really good tip yeah. yeah in terms of the day-to-day -day that you mentioned you know when you're creating content what does that involve I can't, I'll just keep I'll just keep my kind of ear to the ground and uh and um see what pops up really but I'm never I'm never that short of ideas I like I like to talk and I like to write um so yeah it's just something that kind of comes quite naturally okay and what about your creative process Jess yeah so over the last year or so I've had to kind of 
teach myself how to use like the cameras and microphones and things like that and I don't have a fancy camera most of the time I just film stuff on my phone because it's actually a better Mm. camera than my blogging one but I think being that self-sufficient and being able to create content yourself has just opened up so many doors for me because companies and brands have come to me and said well you can just film it we don't have to send a film crew of you don't have to send a sound person you do it yourself and I deliver the content the video the next few days I've had to teach myself to edit and I again I at the moment I just use iMovie I don't even use anything that fancy for my YouTube you know I'm learning how to use the Adobe Premiere Pro and stuff but it's just opened up a world of opportunity for me and all that stuff's available online you know I just watch YouTube tutorials. Has anyone ever said to you you know what is your job? What do you do? Get a proper job. I mean, that's the title of our podcast here. I get so. that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I hate when people ask me what my job is. I'm like, I don't really know. I literally do everything. But I feel like we're in a generation and in an op- a whirlwind of opportunity, really, where people don't have just one job title, you know, and people when you go into brands and companies they don't want you to have one brand title you know you're doing a bit of everything you're doing the editing you're on camera you're coming up with ideas you're doing the research for it so people say that to me all the time and I've been you know doing the modeling and then transition to the kind of influencer work and all that for about eight years now and I'm back and forth always you know with people being like maybe I need to get a proper job and a full-time job but that's not what I love doing I love creating content and I love doing the stuff that excites me and that usually is doing a bit of everything so I do get that all the time and it is difficult to ignore because then you start worrying about things like mortgages and when you grow up when you have kids but you know I think as long as you're doing something you love there's always something that comes around and always an opportunity around the corner and it seems like you're the person to grab those opportunities yes absolutely I try really hard I'm like please give me a job <laughs> but you're cultivating a portfolio career you know you're showing a breadth of abilities yeah people. absolutely and there's always a new talent that I learn every day you know because I'm just developing like right I need to learn how to edit and I need to learn how to use a microphone so I think just learning what you want to do and looking into topics and stuff that interests you then you'll always kind of hopefully be happy and doing a job you love what about you in terms of the, the personal training? People I, understand I, that. Yeah, as a I would job. Pro- I'd probably get it. I, I don't really get it. I get it less because obviously personal training is, is a thing. And like I said, I, that's half of my time. And I've been online such a, a long time now. It's kind of like people know what I do. It, it's kind of, I think, you know, when, when you're looking at these influencers, I think people looking from the outside in, I can see why you probably get people. Well, what, what are they doing? I think people know me. I'm the guy doing the kettlebell workouts online and I'm doing all that the, the lives of my kids in so it's kind of like I don't really get that I don't really get that but here's the thing what I think what Jess said is really interesting is like we live in such a world of opportunity there's a guy called Gary Vaynerchuk that I follow you guys have probably all heard of him mm. and I remember reading his book Crush It and he just said and I've seen him live so many times and he said look there's never been a better time to cash in on your passion right um, and he, he said like you might think that your passion like isn't even that cool like l- let's say for exa- example like you're into worms right <laughs> it's a, and you might think like you, that you know no one's going to follow you you're into worms but you type worms into google and there's a whole different there's a whole world's going to come up so why not why not super niche down and go online and start talking about it and this is what he talks about all the time he's like look if you've got an iphone and you've got an idea you can take that online and you can earn money online and I, and I remember when i first started to make money online i'd I'd gone away on a on this like fitness retreat to actually to Thailand with this um, UK based guru who who sold this program where he takes you away for 10 days and you live in paradise and you have people come and make your food and all this kind of thing and you create your online fitness program and I remember him saying to me he said he said Treggs there is no better feeling than when you've worked for months building um, an audience uh, building up for a launch 
And then you sit there, you could be anywhere in the world and you press go and you send out your email and your, your link and sales start coming in. He said, and he said, it's just an incredible feeling. And then I started to experience that and I was like, wow, that's incredible. You know, I could be sat in the house having a beer and I just push go and these sales start coming in, not by chance, by the work that I've done leading up to that for months. And we just live in a beautiful age where, you, you know, I'm, I'm, my kids are like watching stuff and I'm going, how many subscribers has this YouTuber got? Uh, John and he's going daddy they got 3 million I'm like this guy's like 16 with 3 million YouTube followers <laughs> like this is just insane it's just an insane world and time we live in I really like what you said there cash in on your passion yeah, it's going to be my absolutely. new thing <laughs> also I'm going to obviously start following your workouts as well I feel like. <laughs> yeah, yeah maybe, maybe I'll get around to that <laughs> Well, just um, just to round off, really, we're in a new decade, 2020. What does that hold for you guys? What's coming up for you? Uh, well, I've got a new mini-series coming out on Hanch, SLC's Facebook platform oh. that I've filmed. So that's coming out in 2020. Hopefully going to be doing more stuff with them and going to be doing stuff with BBC Sesh as well. So Great. that's really exciting. So hopefully just, again, creating content and doing stuff and meeting exciting people, which is what I love. And the focus of the mini-series is, is your life? Uh, no, so I meet an interesting people all over Wales who have jobs in the sex industry. Wow. Yeah, so it's something that's not really done on SLC before because, you know, traditionally they don't really speak about sex. But actually, I think when you say it, people are like, oh, my God, that's, you know, quite naughty. But actually, it's through really endearing conversations because it's just people going about their day who have a passion like we were talking about and they're cashing in on it so yeah they're really really interesting convos we look forward to seeing that what about you so i'm in the middle of writing my first book whoa yeah yeah so i saved that till the end i started it in october (laughs) there's we don't have a publisher yet don't have them but i very much believe in the law of attraction i've used that a lot in my life so i'm just writing it i'm just in flow i tend to try and do about a thousand words a day after i've exercised it's called don't slow down and it's aimed at over 30s men, 40s men, 50s men that have maybe never really got started or are slowing down because society is saying, you know, you need to slow down. There's more and more evidence now that guys in their 40s and 50s are doing Ironmans and doing triathlons. And I, for one, wholeheartedly agree with that. I'm 41 now and my kids are five and seven. So I'm kind of out of the, the nappies and the no sleep stages. And so I'm, you know, back to exercising, good nine hours sleep a night and all that kind of thing. So I can really make that a priority. So it's kind of like... And, and, and the message in the book is, well, actually, you know, if you're in your 40s, you, you, your life's probably never been more set up for you to go and achieve a big goal. I look back to my, you know, early 20s and I was raving every weekend and in no fit, <laughs> no fit state to do anything. So right now my, my life is like, you know, nine hours sleep, you know, water, fruit, veg, healthy. So so it's kind of like pushing that message. And it's more of a mindset book, really. I'm, I'm very much into self-development. And I don't even think I've written about nutrition or fitness at all in it. It's more about getting the mind right. So there's one of the chapters, as I say, you don't need a new diet. You know, you've got to be met before. You won't be physically ready until you're mentally ready. So it's about tapping into these guys' reasons why and and um, and actually build, building a picture of who they actually want to become. So I'm writing that. I'd hope to have it out in the first quarter of the year. We also run retreats and I have a kind of high-end service where I work with over 30 businessmen that are kind of really successful, a lot of the guys in the city, but they have maybe put their health and fitness on the back burner. So I work with them online and I get to travel all around and coach them. So more of that. 
Wow. More of that, please. Yeah. I mean, I think if half the amount of energy that you've got in person comes Thank across you. in the book, it's going to be a fantastic <laughs> Thank read. Thank you very much. Thank you both so much for coming in. I have just loved talking to you. Been Thank awesome. you for having us. And thanks also to Dr. Francesca Sobandi of the Cardiff School of Journalism for sharing her research insights into digital content creation. You can find a link to her work in our show notes. As always, thanks for listening. And if you've enjoyed, please rate and review. It'll help other creatives to find us. We always want to know what you think, so tag Creative Cardiff in any of your comments on social media. Get a Proper Job is made by Creative Cardiff with and for the creative community. I've got a proper job.